This is Britton LaRue. Here on Moon to Moon, I talk about moving through change with the symbolic wisdom of astrology, the tarot, energy healing, all kinds of things. It's multidisciplinary here. I hope you enjoy this episode. I, I first thought of it when I just had this feeling, I heard the words in my head, I need to speak with people about Mars. <laughs> and you'll see why. I need to speak with people about Mars. I want to frame the time that we're in right now as a kind of sacred pause to reassess and realign with what we've been in, to become more present, to receive the insight available for us to see in the present now, and then to turn our attention to the incoming astrological energies so that we can be more intentional and conscious about how we're being invited to to dance. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I did something I've never done here, which is to offer horoscopes, oral horoscopes that start a little over an hour in. So I hope you will stick around for your horoscope for the second half of the year. And at the very end, I give a brief four-card tarot reading for us. And I'm really love loving the wisdom that came through I'm I'm not going to forget this spread so if you enjoy listening to me read the tarot then I hope you will stick around to like the last seven five seven minutes if you enjoy what you hear I hope you will consider rating or reviewing or subscribing to the podcast it really helps me I just started this in March 2020 so um I really appreciate all the love that I can get in order to help this podcast reach more people. Thank you so much. Enjoy. I'm recording this on June 29th, 2020. And my intention for this recording is to speak to what I see are a lot of really important changing energies happening now that are going to rev up over the course of 2020. And I feel like we're, we're at a really beautiful threshold point in the year where we now have illuminated before us <clears throat> so much of what the energy of 2020 was is going to be. Um, everyone knew that it was going to be big. Everyone knew it was, that it was going to change things. Everyone knew that it was going to be uncomfortable. Everyone knew that things were going to happen, that were going to make life as we had previously known it change. But pre- precisely what that was going to look like was not in Cannot, can never be entirely clear. And so I'm feeling like, okay, we're at a crucial little window right now. From my perspective, Britton LaRue, age <laughs> 42, mom of two children. Um, from my perspective, 
we're at a really special place where we understand so much of what the offering of this year is or the invitation of this year is, the challenge of this year is. And now here before things become more intense, we have a window of opportunity to kind of return back into the self, to recenter, to realign and be like, okay, wait, what is going on? Where am I in this? Let, let's get my heart and my head and my spirit around my own voice and my own uh, conscious intention that I'm trying to bring to the world. And knowing what we might be able to forecast, which I'll talk about for the remainder of 2020, how can I, meaning myself, Britton LaRue, but also you, listener, how to um, carve a little spaciousness, create a little breathing room, create an imaginatory, am I making this word up? Imaginatory, imagine, a place for imagination, a zone for imagination, a zone for dreaming, and a zone then for directed energy in order to get clear around how we're going to move through the next six months. So my hope is that from this discussion, which will include horoscopes for all the signs for the remainder of the year, so this will probably be a pretty long episode with multiple parts, but is here to like stand, you know, for the rest of the year. It's not just good for this week, you know. My goal is that anyone listening and receiving some ideas, thoughts, dreams, suggestions, invitations, challenges that are helpful, that you really take this to feel inspired, to feel encouraged, to feel um, empowered, to feel a sense of how you're going to um, know the path that's approaching you. And so I was thinking about a quote that I use in the waxing moon or yes section of my moon to moon workbook from Joseph Campbell that says, if you can see your path laid out in front of you step by step, you know it's not your path. Your own path you make with every step you take. That's why it's your path. And I think that, this is me again, I think that so much of how I used to perceive my life as unfolding and how so many people perceive their life as unfolding as, as a preordained, a preplanned, controlled path. And it's like the safety and security of one's life derives from feeling secure that you've already got your path set up. You know, like there it all is. I see how this is going to go. But unfortunately, this, the, um, the consequence of trying to live like that is we also drain our lives of enchantment and we drain our lives of imagination, of our intuition, and of the opportunity to work with a little more chaos and unknown, 
but also with more um, like vitality and um, joy and um, exhilaration. And so what 2020 has brought in is a sense of um, kind of taking away the path from everybody as they had envisioned it. And that can be profoundly unsettling when you didn't ask for this. It's not like some, some of us who may have consciously decided to try to experiment with not having such a clear path anymore and just trusting that that will be a great thing. For, for many people, this wasn't a choice. It was not asked for or longed for in any way, and it feels very disempowering, and it feels depressing and scary and like a diminishment of a dream. And what I would like to invite you to consider imagining is that there's nothing wrong with feeling that way and that this is not to discount the very real discomfort of what a lot of people might be feeling, including you, including me some days. But I would like to invite us into exploring the possibility that working with what is here for us now in the present moment as we move continuing into 2020 from here on, that there can be great uh, empowerment, joy, and exhilaration from us just taking one step at a time into what is actually the path that wants to be moving towards us as we move toward it in a dance. So for my part and for people who um, I interact with in my community and for people who come to me to learn or to converse, uh, to share ideas, to explore reading charts, who get my workbooks. Um, what I would like to explore is how the energies of the sky, right? The energies of the planets and the signs as teachers are on our side to help us anticipate and recognize our path, right? Like, it's not that they take away our free will, but they do kind of set the music, right, <laughs> is the idea. <laughs> it's like, you want to be dancing to the right, you know, style of music that's going on. And, um, and we have ways of anticipating these things. And it's not that we see exactly what's going to be happening and we don't have any exact information, but we have a sense for like the tone. It's, it's, about, it's about attunement, you know, attuning to, yes, I do believe that this is what I'm being asked right now. And thus, how might I set a, an open-minded and open-hearted intention for learning from and finding joy with and wisdom with and ultimately transformation with that will be good for me, the music in the air, the energies that are available. 
all the while knowing that whether someone is conscious of this or not, the music is still there, so to speak, and that there are many ways to play with the energies. And a lot of them can be harmful, um, thoughtless, violent even. And so it's also important to recognize that there are multiple ways these stories can go. And we can protect ourselves from potential outcomes and consequences of unskillfully working with the energies that other people might embrace. No, not even consciously, just because their heart isn't there. And um, we can also kind of be able to couch our understanding of what's playing out through the lens of this language and how it teaches us. So I'm going to spend some time then speaking to the primary, some of the primary invitations of 2020 and then how basically making an argument for how we're at a threshold space right now. We're at like a shift. We're in kind of like uh, the palate cleansing phase of the, the meal, so to speak, where, um, you know, it's like the time in the story when, um, people reach, uh, the first stop and they take a break and there's a feast and like everyone kind of, the, the language of the storytelling is, is for everyone to kind of rehash and realign f- for the next act of the, st- of the story, right? And so I feel like we're, to work with the energies right now is to kind of go do that, like stepping away from the action phase a little bit to get clear, get realigned and reset the visions, like restart. Um, this is also highly supported by the fact that we're in eclipse season, we're in a Mercury retrograde. There's a lot of other planets that are retrograde. And in general, these times, the invitation is not to be so much in the forceful action or in the manifestation, but to be in listening, to be in the receiving of insight, to be recognizing like, I'm recognizing that this has been coming up and I'm recognizing that I've been feeling this way and I'm recognizing these thought loops that are kind of circling in my brain and I'm recognizing a desire for blank with my body. This is the time. This is the time where we do the receiving, the recognizing and the listening. So thus it's also a really good time for boundary space giving ourselves spaciousness, a cocoon of sorts, a cave of sorts, in order to um, hear ourselves. Like, what is going on with me? Where am I? And then it's like a reorientation with the self. You can then get clear on where you are. Okay. And now let's, 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 like make the pivot. It's like a pivot moment to now be able to cast out forwards with a a kind of overarching umbrella set of goals and intentions for working with what's coming as 
in our most like wise self, our most responsible self, our most caretaking self, um, our clearest sense of who we are and what we value and how we can align our values uh, of who we say we are with the choices and the actions and the decisions that we make out in the world. Knowing that we can't control other people, we can't change other people, but we can model that kind of alignment, that alignment that is being in integrity. And just personally, I found that I can get better and better with integrity mindlessly the more I practiced working with my integrity mindfully, (laughs) but I still really benefit from a regular practice of checking back in Um, because there's so much outside of our space that can kind of pull us and invite us into getting out of alignment, getting out of what Caroline Miss calls congruence. Congruence being a word that I really, really love. And that just means that, like, we, we say, we do what we say we value. We live what we say we value through everything. And um, there's nothing out of whack, you know? And the more you're feeling that you live that way, the more you live in self esteem, you, you trust your intuition. Um, the more that you trust yourself to follow through with what you want in your life, which is really the feeling of being in one's joy because there's so much... um, It's just so nice living without shame and it's so nice living without self-sabotage and self-betrayal, frankly. And those are some of the huge thematics that we've been invited to the last few years that are peaking in 2020 and why it's really good to step back and move move into like a realignment zone (laughs) in order to then go into that imagination zone. Imaginatory, again, I'm not clear on if that's a word, but I'm liking it. Imaginatory? (laughs) Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've stated my intentions then. So moving into the year, what I've talked to a lot of people about, I'm sure I've talked about it in the space of Moon to Moon before, but there was a lot of um, invitation the last couple of years from the part of ourselves and the part of our charts where we have Cancer and Capricorn. This is still true. This is still very present. And it's especially present right now here in the summer of 2020 and will continue to be present for us through the remainder of the year. Some of this has to do with where the eclipses were happening in the last couple of years, including the one we just had and the one we're about to have. Some of this has to do with the buildup of planets that have been in Capricorn and are in Capricorn. And so let's talk a little bit about that polarity in order to um, 
situate, situate the imagination, situate the self in the symbolic language so that you can feel into, listener, how the stories and the teachings of Cancer Capricorn are alive in you. So when we're thinking about Cancer and Capricorn, they can sound really different, but as with all sign polarities in the zodiac, they're, they're, they're teachable like two sides of the same coin. So Cancer is that part of self that takes things personally. It's personal water. It's a water sign. Water is the part of ourselves that is mysterious. It's emotional. It's instinctual. It's intuitive. The watery parts of ourselves are kind of out of our conscious attention. Kind of like how with water, you just... You can just see the surface and you don't really know what's going on underneath there. A lot of our emotional and instinctual parts of self, we just don't really put our attention on. Like emotions just suddenly are there and we're like in them and we're living them and they're directing our behavior and our words and our actions, but we're not fully conscious of like what is even going on. So a really big thing that I like to talk about is water with people because to me it's just inherently super helpful to get more conscious about something that's ruling my life unconsciously right so cancer is the part of us that has the most like personal stake in the feeling world because cancer has a lot to do with personal belonging who we belong to and our sense of feeling loved, feeling validated, feeling safe and secure that we have people we belong to. And so even people who have fabulous parents, quote unquote, they can still experience aspects of severed belonging. Maybe it wasn't even the parent. Maybe it was like some second cousin who would say certain things. Everyone has their own personal stories of severed belonging. It's the idea of part, parts of self that felt in danger of not fitting into the clan in some way. And the clan can be even beyond the family to like the larger kind of clannish community. Maybe the community at a religious organization, the neighborhood community, like the small town community, the um, community that circulates around a school. If there's any part of you that feels there's a problem with you that you need to work, that you need to fix or that you need to hide because it, it puts you in danger of severed belonging, then that, that can be a part of ourself that we, um, we, and we erect as children um, masks and armoring and guards, so to speak, shells around ourselves to protect the part of us that has its feelings hurt because it's afraid that we're not fully loved and fully validated and fully seen and fully attuned to by some sense of the clan, 
that will be a threat to our safety and security. And so very early on, we develop routines, quirks, patterns, needs, insecurities, dependencies, and triggers around certain parts of ourselves that are tender, that we fear um, are uh, a threat or like our, our, our love and validation from the world might not come to us if we show those parts of who we are, or if we don't do what we think we have to do perfectly by, so, by the clan's rules in order to garner that safety, security, love, and validation. And so when we're working with our cancer then, we're working with a really, really, really sensitive part of ourselves. And it's the part of ourselves that sees the world through a very personal lens. It's where we take things personally. Cancer is ruled by the moon. And so the moon is that part of ourselves that's our emotional body that sets up our routines in order to secure a sense of safety from the environment, a sense of nurturing to a scared part of self potentially. So sometimes we walk around and we have these like funny routines and then we have these patterns and we don't, we don't necessarily even know where we came from. We just know that we keep doing them because they make us feel better, even if they aren't even actually good for us. You know, like certain consumption patterns can be built in based on some kind of potential trauma from the past or triggering that, um, it's, it's a self-sabotaging habit, but we still do it because we've been doing it so long that there's like sucker in it. It's, it's a passy. It, it helps us feel better about that severed belonging in some way. So for me, and this is heavy stuff, right? For me, cancer, working with our cancer is about working with that inner child, that child part of ourselves that erected shells and erected masks that are that began certain patterns of behavior developed the triggers in order to love that part of ourselves and take care of that part of ourselves and bring that part of ourselves into present time so that type different types of triggers from the past can become integrated and neutralized and healed so ultimately working with our cancer and working with our moon is about becoming less triggered people. And this is really important for a contented life, right? And it's been the invitation of the last couple of years. We've seen the rise in podcasts about self-care and the importance of self-care, just constantly talking about self-care. I mean, this is all from the importance of cancer the last couple of years. And now we're really in the peak of, have we been learning this? Like, did you learn? What have you been learning the last few years, right? And there can be this sense of like a gap, right? Between where you, where you are, and maybe that's way improved, like applause, 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 celebrate, celebrate, celebrate how far you've come. But you also may be noticing, because this happens with eclipse season, you also may be noticing, like, I still have more to go. Like, I'm still getting triggered by this, and I'm still not listening to myself because of that. Because ultimately, 
when we're in our best cancer, not only are we such good parents to our younger self, but we're also able to use our watery self to be in attunement with our intuition. And so we, we, but we can't get to our inner voice. We can't get to our intuition until we have um, moved through the stages of uh, healing invalidation of that voice, right? Which is part of like the cancer um, severed belonging. If you've had any invalidation, and most people have had some of it, and some people are fairly impervious to it, congrats, but <laughs> for someone with like a high desire to please, um, which is a lot of people, including myself, invalidation can sound like a correction you should take seriously. And what eventually happens over time is that if you're invalidated enough and regularly enough by people pretty intimate and whose opinion you do care about, because maybe you don't care about most people's opinions, but the one person you do care about was invalidating you, then what happens is you have a severed belonging with yourself, which is your intuition and your inner voice. And so growth in intuitive practices has been huge the last couple of years as there's been a collective sense of urgency to reconnect with intuition work of which like I'm totally living out the astrology in my own life and you probably have been too if you're listening. So we're also in a moment of recognizing and celebrating how far we've come with our intuition and also a sense of like, gosh, I'm still not where I want to be with that you know, and it's just practice. So be gentle with yourself because the other side of this coin is Capricorn. And working with our inner Capricorn is working with our inner critic. It's the voice in your ear, the, the, that energy on your shoulder that keeps telling you you're not there yet, that you're not good enough, that you should be like this by now that uh, feels fear that you're going to be called out as an imposter, that is afraid that um, you're not expert enough to do the thing yet. Even if you already have like two degrees, you're still not expert enough, that voice says. Or that says like, you're not ready to publish, you're not ready to teach it, you're not ready to lead it. Because there's this kind of sense of... um, an aspirational should-be self that you never seem to be able to get to. And so the Capricorn part of ourselves is deeply tied to the Cancer part of ourselves because rather than it being more about the clan, the family, the Cancer Capricorn part of ourselves wants to be applauded, validated, and achieve within the institutions. You know, the institutions like academia, or the company, the corporation, with the boss, with the various types of boss people that you have in your life, like trying to climb the mountain, which is the goat of Capricorn, trying to just focus impersonally, where cancer is personal, Capricorn is the impersonal focus to just keep enduring until you get there. And so, the Capricorn in us can get really cut off from a lot of our intuition because a lot of our intuition 
exists throughout the body. And it's not just in the head. It's not just in the mental realm. But the Capricorn in us can be uh, really good at shutting out the messages of the body, even including hunger and thirst, because it's like enduring to just keep getting the work done until you're finally like deserving of praise, which is of course a game that you can never win. So we've also been invited the last couple of years, peaking this year, to see structurally in our world, like what bosses have we been trusting? What systems have we been trying to succeed in that we now recognize are like kind of messed up or toxic? And yet we've been working so hard and giving ourselves over to succeeding in flawed institutions. So that's a lot. That's a lot to suddenly realize because you can have a feeling of like, oh my God, everything I was doing, I just don't even know if I believe it anymore. Like, how can I keep doing this work if I can't escape this system? The system is here. I live in systems that I'm struggling to trust in. What do I do? You know, that's, that can feel really hard. And the goal with our Capricorn, just like with our Cancer, it's to become your own best parent. With Capricorn, it's to become your own boss. That doesn't necessarily mean like literally having your own company, but it means that you're the one that decides what to care about and what to not care about. You're the one that serves your own integrity and you can decide when you're ready. And there's no external voice. There's no external standard that is going to tell you how you haven't made it yet because you generate your own sense of um, leadership and authorship of your own life so that um, you can just be like, you know, I think I'm good. I'm just going to do this because I'm not aiming for someone to tell me that I'm the greatest expert of astrology of all time. I'm not trying to be getting any awards. I'm not... I'm not trying to be celebrated up, up like and get a trophy for my brilliance. I just believe in my discipline. I believe in my work. And I'm going to serve that with my integrity, trusting that it's of value and it's of service to the communities to which I belong. And it really just completely shifts the energy as well as the readiness to give that wonderful work ethic and discipline to what you most care about you know but there can be a real sense of dis-ease when uh when we realize that this kind of like matrix pill that oh my gosh I can't be in that system anymore the way I was but how else do I operate that can feel a little bit like the moments in the movie when the, the character like just realizes that they've been living you know, with blinders on their whole lives. And it's not fun. But trust, if this is you, trust the, that you are being liberated. You are being liberated into your, yourself. Just like becoming your own best parent with cancer allows us to liberate ourselves from like, yep, I 
Maybe I don't do it like my family did it, but I'm still of value. I validate myself. I give myself love. I take care of myself and um, let the past go. So that is all energy that has been very present the last couple of years and has been really building up. Um, I've always focused primarily on the personal, but collectively we've seen how the global pandemic which is indicated with some of the placements in Capricorn, how it has done the job of revealing systemic problems uh, all around us and the invitation into purification and healing is quite profound. And like any healing process, it's not comfortable or pretty necessarily, you know? And certainly people feel like they don't have time for this, but they, the virus is creating the time um, and the space for not everyone, but for a lot of people to just work on it. That's the invitation. We're not waiting around for the previous path to jump back in online for us. Like, we are now step-by-step step creating the path and calling in the path for us so that we can be most available to it. So we are invited into the, the inner work of the inner child healing and inner critic healing so that we can be liberated and thus come into our strongest intuition. Because our intuition is what guides us and is the compass for us to be able to know our path when it's in front of us. So the reason that there's a shift right now and an opportunity to regroup is because the second half of 2020, from my perspective, is really colored by the presence now, just now, of Mars move into Aries, where it is at home. And Aries, like Cancer and Capricorn, is a cardinal sign. I'll define that in a minute. And Aries is usually in a sign for like a month and a half, two months, but... Aries is going to move through the entire 30 degrees, well, I think it's 28 degrees of Aries. And then in early September, go retrograde. Um, and then we'll have a Mars retrograde in Aries. So then it will go back over certain sections of Aries and then station direct in November and then go forwards through those same degrees again for a third time um, before it leaves and moves into Taurus in January. So that's a really long stay in one single sign. And so I want to spend some time thinking about the cardinal signs of Cancer, Capricorn, Aries, and Libra and thinking about Aries' role vis-a-vis Cancer, Capricorn so that I can help you 
step into like the attunement, attune yourself to how these all live inside of you and how they might dance together the next six months. So Aries is the first sign of the zodiac. It initiates spring with the spring equinox. Cancer is the first sign of summer. It initiates summer with the solstice. Libra is the first sign of autumn. It initiates autumn with the autumn equinox. Capricorn is the first sign of winter. It initiates winter with the winter solstice. So in the vocabulary of astrology, we call these signs cardinal signs, meaning they are initiatory energies. They get things going. They blast things off. They start stuff. What do they each start? They each start a different season. They each have a different element. Aries is a fire sign, your animated spirit, your fire, your energy. Cancer is a water sign. It's your, your feelings, your emotions and mysteries, your intuition. Libra is an air sign. It's about relating and communication. And then Capricorn is an earth sign. So it's about how you show up on the material plane in a practical way, serving your life. And they all relate to light then too, because they have to do with um, how long or equal day and night are in relationship to each other. So they speak all four to um, the relationships we have to our conscious and unconscious, to our like solar self versus our lunar self then, to different dichotomies and complexities and hybridities that we all hold but we often like want to repress or shun or not look at certain parts of ourselves or we place values on some parts of ourselves more than other parts of ourselves. So working with these signs, we're also working with attunement to all parts of who we are, including parts that tend to be more unconscious. So each of these signs is ruled by a planet. The moon rules cancer, as I was saying, I didn't mention, but Saturn is what rules Capricorn. Saturn is the disciplinary teacher. It's the teacher of hard work inside of us. And Aries is ruled by Mars. Mars is our energy. It's our soldier, our warrior, god of war, discord. Um, it's our salsa dancer. It's our bravado. It's our confidence. It's a, it's a masculine energy of yang, thrust, forward movement. It, Mars gives Aries its capacities to be uh, self-sufficient, to be uh, a spark of energy that goes. It's like dawn energy. Why? Because it starts the spring. It shifts the energies of the earth into a new season and gets life growing again. So Aries is the ram, which like rams its head into things, like says, it must be this way. I'm forward moving, getting what I want. But it's also the dicotyledon. It's the little plant that bursts up from the soil and is like, I'm here. You know, it's the power of that energy that's like, I'm coming, son. I'm coming on up. You know, like, watch me grow. I'm going to do this. 
see me burst through. So Mars rules pointed objects. It's this little, the, the symbol for the male. So it's like the power of the dicot that pushes through the surface of the earth, of the ram that pushes its head forward, of swords and other weaponry. And so in the language of astrology, if you're new to astrology, planets like to be in certain signs. It's like they're, they have all of their assets. They have all of their tools when they're in certain signs. And so Mars has all of its tools when it's in Aries because it quote unquote rules Aries. It's in its domicile when it's in Aries. Some people are born with this and they're, they're people that in the part of their life where they have Aries in their chart tend to be really like uh, full of energy in this powerful way because the, their Mars has all of its assets in its own sign. So what I'm saying is Mars's move into Aries right now is a strong Mars. What does that feel like if we were to put a temperature on it? It's hot, right? Because Aries is hot, it's a fire sign, and Mars is hot because it's the principle of hot fire. It's hot and dry energy. So where Saturn is like cold and dry because it's like, um, it's that stern stealing up of what we need to get work done. And the moon is like super moist and it's like our feet touchy feelies, you know, the Mars part of us is bringing in a lot of fire heat to the parts of ourselves that are already tender and the parts of ourselves that are already kind of working with these institutional structures and, um, how to see the self vis-a-vis -vis institutions. And so I see this second half of this year, and it's not like I'm making this up. Lots of astrologers are in agreement, if, even if their words may not sound precisely like mine, that there's what's going to happen here is that not only are we being invited to just realign with our Mars and realign with the part of ourselves where we have Aries, which means working with uh, our patients, working with our, our uh, personal agency, getting clear on where our passions are and where our energies want to go. But we're also collectively going to be seeing, you know, more fire, basically, like literal fire, uh, and metaphorical fire for six months. And so, and we're already tired and people are already feeling um, impatient to uh, return to the previous path, which is not a, not a thing, unfortunately, um, or, or fortunately. I, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for the other side of all of this, but there's a lot to get there, right? And so that's why I want to have this conversation is like, what are your intentions for working with this energy? That's what I'm inviting you into. And so how do you set intentions with Mars and Aries vis-a-vis -vis hard angles between Mars and soon Mercury uh, in Cancer where it's retrograde, 
but especially once we hit August, September, October, November, December, Mars is squares with the Capricorn planets of Saturn, Pluto, and Jupiter all together in uh, Capricorn. And if you're a more advanced astrology person, know that I'm also talking about how Mars is going to be encountering Black Moon Lilith in Aries, but especially Eris in Aries, the planet of discord, which and Eris is, has many also squares Aries to Capricorn planets this year. And so Mars just joins that energy that Eris has already of um, listen to my voice, stop denying my voice as Eris. I, will, I must be heard. I don't care if you don't like it. So Air, Mars joins that and um, amps up the, the stress to the institutions. And, um, and this is all neutral, what I'm saying. Is this neutral? The question is, how do we work with these energies? Right? Like, if this is a ne- neutral, that our institutions are going to be deeply, deeply um, under stress to release toxins and to restructure and revision and to listen to the voice of the marginalized, how do we do this skillfully? So, For me, always, it's like, well, I can't control everybody, but I can get an integrity and an alignment and in congruence with myself. So how can I work with these then? One human body at a time. So what I would like to invite you into is to think about how to work with to continue the self-care work that you're already doing vis-a-vis inner child and inner critic, to be continuing those, but also be noticing energy, the energy of Mars moving through Aries. And knowing the part of your chart where you have Aries would be really helpful to you to understand that that's where there's going to be a lot more kind of combativeness or aggression, assertiveness, desire for passion, desire for being heard, desire for leading, to be pioneering, to have agency, to have self-sufficiency, to say, I'll do it. I've got the energy to do it. I'll, you know, I'm, I'm ready to put my energy somewhere because the energy has got to go somewhere with this transit. Where are you going to put your energies? That's what is the real question. And how to do it in a way that's very, very, very brave while also not impulsively creating harm, right? Because Aries can be really impulsive and like uh, destructive in a quick way. And then it's like, oops, sorry, you know, but the Aries part of us is like moving too fast on the feeling of the fire to think it through. And then, then there's consequences. And so when I talk with people about Mars and when I talk with people about Aries, one of the, some of the big things that that part of ourselves needs to learn is to um, notice when you're being reactive. You know, commit to reactivity practices where you, you know, you 
you notice what is going on in you and you notice your mood and you notice your temperature. And if you feel triggered or like you're going to lash out, to walk away and to get clear on I'm, my temperature is going up. Because often what happens with Mars is our temperature will drop back down, like pretty quickly even. But can, the idea is like there's nothing wrong with the sacred anger. There's nothing wrong with healthy anger. It's a matter of what we do with the energy. The energy has to go somewhere. How would you like for that to land? You know, how can you take the power to watch and enact your power and your agency in ways that are brave and in ways that are courageous and in ways that inspire and take us places we never thought we were going to go? That's a very Aries thing. Pioneering spirit. Um but we can't lead when we're just in attack or harm mode. So and this, is, this is not a value judgment on anything that's happened before. I'm speaking to the present moment moving forward about each person individually coming to the, their own truth about what role they would like to play in the next six months, even in just their household, you know? and how to get skillful with your fire. Little plug for my Aries workbook if you would like more help with that. So come fall, when we have a Mars retrograde, it's because Mars gets to the point where it's um, opposite the sun. So that will be when the sun is in Libra. It's around Libra season on either side and throughout Libra season that we have the Mars retrograde. So Libra is the balancing uh, foundation of four of the cardinal signs that I haven't really been talking about yet. And Libra is about balance, about harmony, about beauty between people. It's about justice. It's about fair contracts. And it moves through air, which means it's more dispassionate because it's air. Air brings fire down to a place that can be transmitted and communicated. So through air, we take the fire of the passion and the energy and we channel it into something that can be received by somebody through language. So it, Libra is diplomacy. Libra is the law too. Libra is the ability to disarm, ruled by Venus, to disarm people so that they lay down their weapons long enough to move from a more heart-driven space to hear each other. So Venus and Mars, Libra, Aries, they balance each other. The more we're in like the high vibrational level of both, the more we feel both our personal agency as strong as well as our beauty between ourselves and our relationships are strong. We feel both are working well rather than like unilateral decisions on the one hand and completely having no boundaries on the other hand. Which can, because usually with these polarities, 
if we're out of whack with one, we're out of whack in both. I know this from my personal life. So come the fall, um, we can be attuning also to everyone collectively upgrading their language, you know? We saw with Gemini season the power of words muting, silently, silencing, amplifying, uh, chanting, breathing, not breathing. All of these Gemini and themes are so pronounced. Everything has been so li- literal in 2020. All of this symbolism is going to be literal for the rest of 2020. So if Libra is the scales, you know, if Libra is about a Venusian balance, how can we participate in that? How can we participate in disarming with language that moves from a feeling place? Because Libra does, even though it's an air sign, the reason it's so good at intuiting the Libra in us how to disarm is because it has a feeling sense and acute attunement to the other person's perspective. And then having some count, more counterpoint awareness that moves from a heart space, we can drop into better listening. So I'm inviting you then into all the parts of yourselves that are the cardinal signs. And you can look to your chart to see where you have those. Before we get into the horoscopes, I want to share that there's been some course other storylines at play this year. This isn't the only thing this year has been about. I already was just speaking about Gemini. Um, there has also been like a B story, you know, how in like sitcoms there's like the A storyline, the B storyline, the C storyline, you know, like if you think about Friends, the sitcom, like there's always like a couple different storylines. One's more important than the others, right? The, the secondary but still really interesting storyline has been building around the mutable signs of Gemini, Sagittarius, and Pisces. A lot of this has to do with Neptune's presence in Pisces and different angles that Neptune's been making to different um, to different planets and along the way. And then um, the nodes of the moon where we have eclipses has moved in this year to Gemini Sagittarius. So even as we're finishing the Cancer Capricorn eclipse cycle, we're also moving into some Gemini Sagittarius territory. And, um, and so when I give the horoscopes, I'll also be speaking about a secondary storyline that's inviting in more of a open space for feeling and thinking ideas and how we are interconnected through our feelings and our words and our thoughts and our beliefs. And so that's kind of like a, it's more of a zone of um, amorphous, boundaryless um, feeling thought space that has created a lot, a sense of like um, a lotness, 
you know, of this year, because when you begin to attune to these spaces of collective feeling, Pisces, and collective um, fire, Sagittarius, and um, the like rhizometric uh, Gemini in uh, airspace, there's just, you can get really sucked in and it can be fun it can be moving, it can be exhilarating, it can be incredibly, incredibly anxiety producing. And so ultimately, good or bad on the spectrum, all of that mutability to me feels really draining and depleting. So there's a high, high, high need then to get back again, like to continually get back to boundaries lately because we can, we can get away from ourselves in those zones. Like we just, we get so into the group that we forget where we are. And there's nothing wrong with collective um, connection and collective activism and collective sharing, but we still have to hold our individualism or at least our like discerning wisdom, our intuition, our personal intuition, our personal knowing, so that we don't get swept into something that later we're going to be like, almost like it was like a dream or like a fog, like, where was I? Like, what happened? You know, that can be a feeling. And so that is like a secondary storyline that's, um, I think, making it harder and harder for people to come home to themselves and touch base with where they are. So that really underlines, again, the value of post-Gemini season. Now, post-Venus retrograde in um, Gemini, post the first eclipse, June 5th in Gemini Sag, we're, we, we have a window of time to kind of like regroup there. So like turning off some social media or like listening to less news and media, having less conversations with people that tend to suck you into a group mindset come home a little bit right now to recenter and regroup with that. And then finally, I will share that what we're moving towards into December 2020 into 2021 is more fixed sign energy. So the fixed signs are Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. We're moving towards a kind of like and this is where we'll put this foundation and this is where this value goes and this is where some more like certainty is, right? We're moving towards the creation of new paradigms, but we're not there yet. And so we have to have the enduring, um, the endurance of the Capricorn, you know, the self-care of the high vibe cancer in order to hold through the fire of Mars and Cancer for the next six months to get us there so that when it, sh when it, when it becomes available to, to see, oh, this is what's unveiling or here's the job we're doing. Ah, I get it now. Like that we still have ourselves, that we still know who we are, that we still have a, you know, a, a strong collected sense of what our values are and what our alignment means to us. And so, yes, 
if you're still listening then and you're ready for the horoscopes, I um, invite you into definitely taking a, a couple of weeks here to really boundary yourself up, come home to yourself, regroup, look over what this year has been so far so that you can really distill it to the key message that you want to take with you about all that you're learning and then begin to set some beautiful conscious intentions for working with the second half of this year. We need you. Your soul chose to live at this time. So your presence here is important and now is the time to kind of, not kind of, now is the time to clarify, you know, what kind of energy do you want to be bringing? Energy being keyword for Mars, keyword for Aries. What kind of energy are you going to be bringing to the spaces of your life? Because your energy has to go somewhere. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the horoscopes. Before we get into the horoscopes, I wanted to just share some updates about things I've been doing. I'm in the middle of teaching my summer cancer moon-based class on intuition and reparenting called Soft Strength, and it's going wonderfully. I'm finishing up Portal 2 with my Charting Your Course uh, foundational astrology class where I teach astrology according to kind of my my way into the language. And um, that was wonder- that's wonderful. We started in the spring together and we'll, we'll go all the way through the winter and then I'll start over again next spring. I've got now Pisces through Cancer for sale of my Living the Signs workbooks. People love them. Most everyone, nearly everyone who's bought one has bought another one. Um, I'm happy to say uh, many people buy all of them. And if you buy in bulk, you up front, invest up front, you get discounts. Leo will likely go to the printer this week. And then I'll begin to get started on Virgo. So um, thanks to everyone who supports me with that project. And if you are curious, I encourage you to check one of those out. It's not for, for your sun sign. It's for all, they're all for all of us. So I feel like if you have important placements in a sign, it's great to have them because it's pretty crucial to get clear and skilled in how you do that sign if you want your life to feel more in flow. But um, I personally find the most joy out of working with signs where I don't have any placements because usually when I become consciously intentional in that sign energy in myself, I basically like waken up a part of myself that I was ignoring and that often makes all the difference to big shifts that I'm trying to make in my life. So really, they're all for all of us. So I invite you to check those out if you resonate with my style of teaching and talking. The workbook format's really important to me because journaling has changed my life. I'm a very, very, very dedicated journaler. 
And I found my perfect collaborator in Angela George, who designs the books with me because she's also a journaling nerd and we both just have lots of opinions and lots of passions when it comes to what makes effective journal space and um, because we value self-inquiry and we value creativity and we value the imaginative dream space that happens in the intimacy of yourself with a pen and paper basically. So that's what the books grow from. They're very much, uh, it's very much a passion project. Uh, it's a long range plan. You know, I'm not making tons of money off these because um, my goal is hopefully once I have them all done that uh, I will be able to eventually make some beautiful money from it. But right now, um, I'm really grateful to the people that are supporting making it happen. Everyone who invests up front, especially, is allowing this to proceed. So um, thank you. You know who you are. And um, let's see what else. I am still doing one-on-ones, though. My books are not as open as they are because my daughters are home so much. But I'm thinking about, and if I say I'm thinking about doing something, that almost always means I will be doing it. (laughs) But I want to basically do my year ahead reading for the second half of this year rooted in everything that I'm talking about in this episode. I don't know what I'm going to call it yet. I'm waiting for it to tell me what it wants to be called. But it's basically my year ahead reading for the second half of 2020. Um, I can then tell you in a recorded reading. It wouldn't be any face-to-face. It would only be a recorded reading. I'd email you. That would be half astrology and half tarot reading helping you to really root into your personal invitation for the energies that I'm talking about here. So if that sounds helpful to you, please um, join my newsletter so that you can find out about that announcement. And um, my year ahead reading is one of the most popular things that I do. People love it. So it's basically that. Um, now that we know what we know about 2020 even more intimately, um, I think that it could be really great for people who, um, would like to invest that way in themselves. So other than that, um, those are my updates. I've got some upcoming workshops I'll be doing. Again, if you're on my newsletter, you can hear about those. As you know, if you've been tuning in a while, I'm not. I'm kind of sporadic with this podcast because from the beginning, I determined that I didn't want to um, lock myself into any kind of uh, rotation, like every week or every new moon or every. You know, I just I really wanted to wait and only record when I felt like I had something I wanted to talk about. And something was like kind of screaming in in my head, like, you have to talk about this, you know. So that's what this is. And um, I will tune back in at the next um, invitation to say something. So thank you for tuning in. Let's, Let's move into the horoscopes then. So 
I would like not to get too lost in astro jargon with my horoscopes here. These are completely off the cuff. I didn't write down any um, words to say. I just have a few notes to remember like what the basics are uh, per rising sign is what I'm looking at. Almost all horoscopes that you see anywhere are rising sign horoscopes. So they just don't always tell you that. Why wouldn't they tell you that? Because they don't want to lose your attention. But if, if a horoscope is telling you about a house that something's happening in, the only way that someone could say that is if they're gauging it from your rising sign. So the best horoscopes are always going to be rising sign base. To know your rising sign, you need to know your birth time. So not everyone knows that. I know that can be really frustrating, but you can work with astrologers to help rectify a time. If you know time of day, that's really, really helpful. Reach out to me if you want support trying to figure that out. Um, but if you don't know your rising sign, then I would just listen to your sun sign because if something's really activated in a sign, then um, even you know it's going to affect some ways thematically the same way. Um, if you have a sun or moon in Aries, Cancer, Libra, Capricorn, or Pisces, I would say. To me, those feel like the most activated signs this year. So whatever your rising sign, know that your sun or moon may be um, being activated this year if it's in one of those signs. If particularly if your sun or moon or Mercury or Mars or Venus are in Aries, Cancer, Libra, Capricorn in the first half of the 20 degrees. If you look at your chart and you see the degrees for any of those four signs and you have a planet or you have your nodes or you have angles like your ascendant or your midheaven in like 20 through 25 of those cardinal signs, then there's some pretty significant change being brought in to the principles of whatever planet or point that we're talking about there. So you can enjoy these horoscopes without knowing your chart intimately or looking at these different degrees or having a real comfort level with astrology. But I did want to say that for people who um, are desirous to get more intimate with their chart. Another thing that I would say that I won't mention in this next section is that I really think that right now, the second half of this year, is a really great time to get um, snuggled up, snuggled up under a blanket next to the fire <laughs> with the part of ourselves that is our natal Mars and the part of ourselves that is our natal Saturn. Um, so if you, no matter where you have your Mars and no matter where you have your Saturn, whichever signs those are in and houses, um, if you are comfortable enough with your chart to do some deeper digging and deep questioning and contemplation about yourself 
with those placements and try to listen, listen to what the universe is inviting you to live with those placements and what the, what are the stories regarding those placements that are trying to be animated in you right now, this year, 2020, through the year. Um, listening to get more intimate with like what they're trying to teach you. These, these planets are trying to teach us and it's pretty rewarding when you get open to listening. So I would invite you into thinking about that if you, if you know your chart and you're ready to get more intimate with yourself there. Um, other than that, I think that we can just dive on in. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, I'll, I'm going to begin with Aries because Aries is sign number one. So if you are Aries rising, then the rest of this year, you will likely be called into feeling an urgent sense of um, being activated to do something, to, to, to be a leader, to... Um, to serve the, the, the scene of the world right now and to figure out what you're here to do in your public role as a leader, as a worker. Um, some days you may feel like almost panicked because the weight of this responsibility feels so huge. The, like, the sense of you're supposed to be doing something right now and you want to understand what it is. So if you're Aries rising, I'm Aries rising. <laughs> um, my advice is to be gentle with yourself that it's not all on you. And this is not necessarily something that you can mastermind with your head. But also be listening to what the invitations are that feel right and good for you, not fear-based at all. So now is a really good time to lean into your intuition, a sense of trust in your inner voice that's probably been growing a lot over the last few years, and feeling into change, Noticing how the direction and the path of your life is continuing to shift and trusting that you have all of the, the bravery and the courage and the discipline and the hard work and the sense of responsibility that is needed for you to, to put one foot in front of the other following your intuition. Huge changes. Aries rising may feel, feel it most acutely because in the language of astrology, it's in, this is your first in your 10th houses that are Aries and Capricorn. 
And those are the most like forcefully lived houses in our chart, like parts of self. So you may feel a, a, a shift in what you're being called to do. And if you can lean into what you've been learning to trust intuitively, you will be deeply served by following that sense of mission, continuing to release and to let go of any fantasies about being perfect or being the expert or being the best, letting go of whatever you were hustling to achieve so hard for so long in order to, for you to come into a more authentic path for yourself. So Aries rising, I'm wishing you the very best with that. I hope you will be gentle. I hope you will be um, one step at a time. I, I wish for you lots of patience and know that as the year comes to a close and we move into 2021, a lot of this pressure will shift and you will start to see how you are beginning to uh, finally create the structures the social structures, the networking structures for the hopes and dreams that you have been noticing are trying to talk to you these last couple of years. And so you can't potentially know what that is now, but you can be listening and you can be attuned to what's trying to come in because a lot is falling on you or at least a lot feels like it's falling on you right now and you can serve it best by just trusting that you have all the tools that you need to respond to the calls that you hear coming in i love you aries rising <laughs> so um yes taurus rising then if you are taurus rising Oh, and let me just say real quick on Aries rising. If you're Aries rising, that means your chart ruler is Aries. I mean, is Mars. So whatever Mars is ever doing is important for you to be studying all the time because how you use and release energy is pretty central to um, your ability to create momentum into your life. And so... Your the call for you to work masterfully and skillfully with Mars is never more powerful than the next six months, maybe ever. So please learn your Mars placement intimately in your natal chart and please work skillfully with the principle of Mars, which I'm happy to help teach you more about. If you want to reach out to me, I have resources for you. Okay, there we go. Taurus. Taurus rising then, if you are Taurus rising, then the energies of now through the end of the year will feel, will feel like they're calling on you to shift into deeper alignment between like what you profess to know so much about and what 
what kind of breaks you open at a deep feeling, empathic, compassion level. And those are, those are different, right? Like what we profess to believe can be kind of like a series of laws. It can be like a set of um, r- rules about how the world works. And we can, we can try to be really skilled at articulating that or, or tell, you know, kind of showing the world how, how well we know these things. But there's, there's a shift right now to almost like, kind of like break some of that open, break open the, 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 rule, the rulesiness of it potentially certainly dissolving whatever feels to you like a need to be an expert in um, whatever systems of belief you hold dear, like ways of seeing the world where you may feel pretty strongly that you know what you're talking about, and dissolve some of that a little bit, melt it, be humbled into um, kind of a more universal sense of love, and feel kind of like, feel an energetic power that is driving that, that's more heart-based and doesn't care about perfection narratives. So you may be humbled into a process that's potentially been ongoing already for a while for you, where you are continually being more and more deeply humbled that you don't know everything. And that can be hard and it can be, feel really fragile. You know what I mean? But trust in the power, like the deep, deep power of how healing and love are so much more important than clinging to notions of knowing everything, you know? So I'm wishing you a lot of courage with your fragility, any fragility that comes up. I'm wishing you patience with yourself if there's discomfort. I'm wishing you trust that you have all the tools that you need to kind of rearrange the way you look at the world in order to ultimately bring in a different way of doing things that can potentially, as we hit the end of the year, begin to help you work better with other people, particularly vis-a-vis in your career space. That if, if, if sometimes you felt like hardened a little bit around teamwork or leading um, in your workspaces, like your career reputation, trust that in the melting away of feeling like you have to know everything, you're gonna be able to show up with so many innovative, inventive, paradigm-shifting ideas and be able to work so much better in more in more an exciting, exhilarating way um, in your career spaces. 
so that you're ultimately serving your hopes and dreams in a way that will feel more spiritually aligned for you in the, at the end of the day. So that's what I have for you, um, Taurus rising. Um, in your healing, you may also be bumping into some unhealed or unaddressed anger or repressed aggression. And I invite you to work with all of that very delicately and consciously and make space for it to be there. Make it okay for it to be there so that you can um, give it a release. And in that release, that also will help the melting away of um, kind of like expertise syndrome that um, you may be working the knots out with. That will all feel super liberating. So, Gemini rising then. Gemini rising. So, for Gemini rising, what I'm seeing for you now is potentially some some deep work, some deep internal psychological work that may be shifting who you socialize with and who, how you negotiate in your networks. You, you may feel a real rising sense of almost like sacred wrath in your networks. You know, a kind of like suddenly, suddenly uh, riotous or uh, exhilarating sense of wanting to lead, of wanting to be in a leadership role in your groups, the different groups that you have. You may even feel a, a desire to completely burn bridges or separate from certain groups that you are involved with because the strength and the ferocity of your sacred rage might feel like you just want to let it let all of that go and my invitation to you would be to be careful about doing that impulsively you know, be really conscious with your courage, courageous leadership potential so that you can potentially try to harness it in ways that could be um, leading as opposed to separating. You know what I mean? And you, what you might bump into is parts of yourself that are pretty deep parts of yourself that you maybe only share with a few people in your life where um, where it might be harder to love yourself or you might be really hard on yourself and um, places maybe you don't really like going inside because it's um, it 
it's like it's a scary chaotic underworld where you you want to have the map and you want to understand it and like be the dominant person but it's kind of in a territory of memory and unconscious that you don't totally understand and so what I would what I would wish for you is to keep tending to that landscape um, with deep 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 self-compassion deep curiosity an open mind be willing to potentially look over hedges and borders of yourself that you may not like looking at in order to find parts of self that have fractured off from you that um, you will not have wholeness until you go find them and retrieve them, you know? And watch for the potential that some of some wrath or some level of ferocity in groups might be unrelated to unprocessed fracturing in the unconscious world that now is really the time to tend to. And as you process and integrate those parts of yourself, you can bring your groups, you can bring um, your networks, like a more grounded, self-responsible, fully in integrity leadership role. And so I'm inviting you um, healing. I'm inviting you lots of conscious, like self-consciousness, not in like being self-conscious where like you're hyper aware of yourself and it feels fear-based, but like lots of self-awareness so that you um, aren't acting in ways that are unconsciously driven. You know what I mean? And using this as an opportunity to like retrieve parts of self that when retrieved will allow you to move from a more centered place to be the leader that you're really actually here to be in your groups. (sighs) Okay then, Cancer rising. Cancer is one of the cardinal signs. So the cardinal signs have the energies that I've been talking a lot about in the houses in the language of astrology that are most like forward and obviously directing of our lives. So Cancer then. Cancer, what I'm feeling for you is that the energy of the remainder of 2020 will be inviting you into a sense of being that like soldier in that warrior being that Aries Mars part of you in your public life um, of really enacting the, the fact that you have Aries at your 10th house, which means being a professional Aries. And so you may feel called into like pummeling yourself into your public role. Like it may feel like everything is driving you towards um, leadership in the public sphere. 
but you will also be working with a, a simultaneous tension of trying to balance an understanding of who you are with an understanding of how you operate in relationships. So now will be a time to really bring a lot of mindfulness to balance there because the larger invitation of the last few years has been for you to work through the difference between your identity as just you and your identity vis-a-vis your partners in life, not just romantic, but all of your partnerships, like how to be in contract with people. And that story's not over. The rest of 2020 is still really trying to make sure that you've been learning <laughs> how to have a balance between your personal agency and your dependency on other people and how to hold yourself and not lose yourself in those contracts and how to hold somebody, let somebody else hold their own self, their own agency, their own set of however they are themselves and who they are in the balance of those contracts and just and let that balance continuously be in a constant process, right? Like we don't ever come to like a stasis in our contracts with people. It's always shifting. And so the invitation that you've been on is ongoing. But meanwhile, there's a part of you that almost might want to like abandon that work because the call is so intense to serve publicly right now and to give your, um, give your bravery, give your passion, bring your courage, bring your sacred rage, like bringing it all out. And that's also important. So it's a really big second half of the year for you because you're being invited to balance parts of yourself um, that are at odds with each other for everyone in everyone's chart. Like we're always at odds, public, private, um, personal, interpersonal. And now that just may feel extremely acute. And so it needs your conscious work. It needs your intentionality. It needs for you to speak clearly and make clear requests from people and communicate what's going on with yourself so that the people that you are in contract with have a feeling for you know where you're at in this process and know that you haven't abandoned the work that you're doing there. Um, knowing, of course, that whoever you're in contract with is also experiencing these transits and they also need the spaciousness to um, uncover what the Aries part of their charts is really demanding of their energy. Thank you, Cancer. Okay, then, so I'm checking the time, so let me make a noise. <laughs> Leo. Leo rising. Leo rising, of course. So from now until the end of the year, what I'm seeing for you is a call between the part of yourself that's really been working on a lot of holistic self-care the last couple of years, really trying to be better about 
how you treat your body, how you feed yourself, how you set up your routine, how you use your energy, how you talk to yourself as you go about your day so that you can find a better sense of balance, mind, body, spirit. Some of you may have even been working on health issues. Some of you may be really working with like eating and nutritional issues. Just trying to get to a better place of health, trying to get to a better sense of what we call in our culture wellness, right? And that work is all still really important. But at the same time, there's a part of you right now that's also going to feel a kind of ferociousness around wanting to speak your mind, about wanting to... uh, Is that what I meant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just looking at, I, I got some charts mixed up in my head. I don't have any pictures in my head. I'm just doing this um, from memory. Yes. Um, exactly. Leo, rising. You have Aries in the space of your chart that really speaks to like, Fiercely wanting to um, speak out, to stand up for what you believe, what you believe to be true, what you've seen as true, what you've been learning. This is the part of your chart where you are most courageous. You're most courageous about learning about the world. You are most courageous when it comes to traveling in foreign places or studying about other other lands, other voices, other belief systems, other ways of thinking about things. You're very courageous about this part of the way you see the world. And it probably will be very, very aggravating the next six months when you see people that are not listening that aren't trying to learn, that don't care about um, what's beyond their own neighborhood, you know? And so you may feel, you might feel carried away sometimes almost with your desire to kind of almost like take the charge, you know, and and, and almost preach, right? Like an almost like missionary zeal to lead right now and to tell people what's on your mind and potentially argue with people about beliefs. And so what I would invite you to do is just really try to bring a lot of balance to keep rooting, keep rooting back into the good work that you're doing for your self-care because all of that could be really draining and exhausting if your fierce fire energy is being heavily, heavily depleted at potentially um, speaking out to people uh, or worrying about people or being angry at people who don't see things the way you see them, you know? And so really watching your energy to decide, like, is this worth my good energy what is the cost you know what are going to be the consequences what are the consequences and the costs of me taking this on 
And when is it absolutely right and proper? How can I be an exuberant, passionate, fierce leader and voice for um, new ways, a voice for bringing in a new spring right now in the human, you know, in the human story without um, dogma or without like uh, cutting people down or without um, making people feel belittled by you in that process and potentially cutting off your um, listeners, potentially cutting off your readers because um, you've potentially insulted them or you've, you've gotten so angry at them that, that it's so, the conversation's now over, right? What we're hoping to do is keep the conversation going so you can put your attention to how to do that in the most skillful way watching your energy, watching your frustration, watching your impatience, kind of returning back to key questions around the proper use of your energy, you know, and being like the really responsible owner of your energy, making sure it doesn't get over-consumed where it's not helping anything. That is my advice to you, Leo, rising as you move through the rest of this year. Hmm. Okay, so now let's go into Virgo rising. Virgo rising. So for Virgo, you have been invited into kind of a lot the last couple of years, really looking at the, the structures of your play, the structures of your ability to just relax and be yourself, the regulations that you might put upon yourself in your hobbies or in your kind of pure self-expression that um, tell you that you're not doing things good enough where you can be really hard on yourself, where you may be trying to be perfect. And a growing desire to just really feel buoyancy there and feel more lightness and more flow and really shake off the critic that's getting in the way or has potentially in your life, but in the way of just relaxing and having a nice time in your own skin. So that's really important work and you're not done. The rest of this year, you're still very much learning like how do I let go? How can I let go more and just be me and just relax into being my pure self? And what may be coming up right now that you can watch for because you have Aries in your eighth house, is potential, the potential to do some of that healing by identifying any like pent up or hidden sources of energy that you have 
potentially closed off. Maybe you closed it off when you were a kid and like you don't even remember closing it off. But I would invite you to access energy through deep intimacy with your partner in ways that are constructive and loving and sexy and fun to release energy in intimacies, to release energy in healing work, to do work with conscious um, dancing out of rage and conscious dancing out of anger, bitterness, frustration, resentment, hate. Dance, make love, run, lift weights, do what you need to do to release potentially repressed heat because that repressed heat that fire is not doing you any good if it's repressed you will have more access to yourself the deeper you um, allow yourself to share those parts of who you are with yourself or with the person, a person that you really trust. Maybe it's even a healer. Um, and in, in this way, accessing sources like that of energy can create the flow that will allow you to have more um, shine in your play and in your natural state of being, in your natural state of self-expression and release and melt and make kind of like comb or brush away um, the, uh, I'm like saying the French word bâtiment, like the, the buildings of, um, rules or walls that you put up around pure pure expression because you're there might be fear about not being good enough or perfect enough to take up that space so that's some pretty deep stuff so like with everyone when you're working with your Aries and you're working with Mars and Aries you want to be very conscious about the placement of your energy so that you're working with it in ways that don't do harm to other people or to yourself or to any sentient beings and come to meet yourself at your heat in ways that are like a homecoming and that bring more like fertility and creativity to your life. Um, okay then moving into Libra rising another one of the cardinal signs so what we're looking at right now for Libra rising is an invitation to again be working on the main angles of your chart 
for several years, you may have been trying to learn better self-care, learn to be easier on yourself, learn to be more loving to yourself and accept yourself at the deepest level so that you can create more um, comfortable, nurturing, nourishing, loving foundations for yourself literally and also um, metaphorically. Like literally working on your home space and designing it and tweaking it away from ideas of like, haven't I created the perfect house? More and more to a sense of like, this just makes me feel so good to be here. This is a reflection of me. I don't care what anybody else thinks. So you've been working into how to, how to create safer, less self-critical foundations for your sense of self. And from here into the end of the year, you will also be working with potentially a lot of tests and lessons in your partnerships because Aries is in your seventh house of contracts with people and Mars is going to be there bringing a lot of hot, fiery energy. And of course, that's a neutral thing. That's completely neutral. So what I invite you to do is to to be conscious, like, like I keep saying, be conscious of like perhaps feeling testier with people, feeling less patient with people, wanting to kind of like send an angry comment out or to um, feel frustrated, maybe even aggressive with people, maybe desirous to burn a bridge even. And so the goal with working with it consciously is like how to exhilarate your relationships, how to make your relationships more passionate and more full of heat and more full of energy that is um, even sexy, you know, in order to uh, light it up, you know, light it up. But remember that you're also still working on yourself <laughs> and you're also still, you're working on your home foundation for self especially vis-a-vis -vis opposite where you have cancer in your most public part of self. So you're working a lot on public, private, but from here to the end of the year, you're also being invited into how you do things relationally with a lot of heat there. So consciously working on like, where's the energy gonna go? And how can I release this energy in a way that won't harm myself or other people? So um, this is important work, Libra Rising, and I'm wishing you the best of it. Um, now let's move to Scorpio Rising. Scorpio Rising. Scorpio is also ruled by Mars. So the first thing that I would want to say to you, Scorpio rising folks, is that whatever Mars is doing is also really important to you. Because even though you may associate your, your rising sign with Pluto, because modern astrologers tend to associate Scorpio with Pluto, since the ancient 
Scorpio's been ruled by Mars. So it's do not forget this. Um, the Pluto thing is very new, you know? Like, I don't even know if we can really say that we have enough evidence totally yet to know everything that there is to know about how to work with Pluto. So, um, yes, Mars is your chart ruler, and thus whatever Mars is ever doing is really important to pay attention to for you because Mars is like kind of your guiding teacher. So definitely like notice where is Mars in your chart, what sign is it in, what element is it in, what house is it in, and get intimate with what the story is that is the, the Mars journey that you're living in this life and um, ask questions the next six months to see how what's going on is activating your Mars story so that you can like rise into its purpose even more deeply. <sighs> so the last couple of years, you may have been really learning about finding your voice, really learning about how to just be yourself with the people you interact with, just give up ideas of like, I know everything, or I have to be right, or I have to be perfect. And just every single day, just show up as yourself. And showing up with a kind of alignment that comes from releasing ourselves from fears of being perfect, um, fears of saying things perfectly saying things just right. And so for you, I'm, what I'm also wondering then is if now through the end of the year in the place where you have Aries in your chart, which is your sixth house, you may feel that you're being invited into like so much energy on the daily, like way more than usual. Um, you may feel like you just have to do things all day long, constantly, never ends, like so much energy, because that's the house of your daily routine. But let me tell you something, and this is something you live with because you have, Mar you have Aries there. So you're probably always somebody that's like, Rah! like the day begins and you just want to like go do the day, like guess what day? I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> just like, I got a million things I'm going to do and I'm going to do them. You just watch this. <laughs> and um, So what is going to happen then is Mars is going to be there for six months, adding to the Aries that's already there. And it just may feel almost just like a compulsion to like release energies in a million things and just go do something all the time you know and that can present some real health issues if you're uh overly aggressive about it so what i would really invite you into scorpio rising is some intention setting around how am i going to release this energy 
the energy's got to go somewhere. Um, potentially, like a running practice, if you're able, first thing in the morning to go ahead and get that initial uh, jitter jitters out. Like get the get the will center on something very physical. It's like something physical would be good for everybody the next six months, frankly. But I especially see that for this house, which has so much to do with how we care for our bodies and holistic health. Likewise, in balance, I would also highly recommend a daily meditation practice, an energy work practice where you work on um, bringing in some cooling energy. I invite you into cobalt blue as your best friend. (laughs) Cobalt blue is a wonderful color to send through your body energetically, send through your chakras to kind of like ice things down a little bit, cool it off, and kind of come back to a recalibrated sense of temperature because things just may feel really, really hot and that whole, that whole thing could just send everything else that you've been doing out of whack if it's kind of mindlessly lived, right? Where it's just like, get out of my way. I've got to do all this stuff, you know? I got, to, I got deadlines. I'm going to sign up for this. I'm going to uh, remodel all while my kids are home. <laughs> so I'm laughing, but... That's because I always like to laugh to transmute serious things into things that feel like we can snuggle up to them. So yes, Scorpio rising, what I'm inviting you to into is to not forget that you've been learning a lot about coming home to yourself and about reclaiming your voice and standing strong and who you are, not who you thought you had to be to be validated and loved. And there's so much you can offer the world with your energy and with conscious attention. I think that that could be um, really beautiful for you. Just mind your health. (sighs) Sagittarius. We're now to the final four signs. The last last fire, earth, air, and water. Sagittarius. You may have been feeling the last few years like just a lot of um, invitation into potentially some rearranging of your values, of working through some potentially some scarcity issues, scarcity fear, of working through like, how am I gonna, how am I going to create a life of abundance for myself And in the process of asking these questions, you're noticing that your very definition of abundance is changing because you're changing. 
your values are changing. The set of rules about what, you know, what an abundant life is or what a successful life is, what an, an achieving life is, the rules about that have been tested and they have been pushed the last couple of years and certainly probably now. And you may have been feel like you've been kind of toddling back and forth between sometimes wanting to re-entrench back into old values and times where you just want to completely melt away all of your previous expectations about what abundance is because your values are changing. And so you're still in this work this year. You're still reassessing and revaluing yourself. You're revaluing what safety and security materially needs to be for you. You're, you're reevaluating like what your expectations are about like money and your assets as you're realizing like potentially that what you thought you needed to have that was going to look great um, is not really like that, that important to you the way it used to be. And so you're still in this. And meanwhile, from now to the end of your um, 2020, you're getting a jolt of energy in the space where you have Aries, which is really where you want to create and really where you want to play and where you want to express yourself freely and just like be yourself, riding your fire. And so there can be a kind of, ten there's a tension between those houses because um, one, is the, one is a space of yourself that's like focused on security and the other one is focused on playing, you know, and having a good time. And those parts of ourselves are often not able to dance with each other very well, you know? And so this second half of the year, you're invited to be noticing how those different parts of yourself are trying to get your attention and what are they trying to say to each other? And what do you need to do as like the self-overlord of both parts of yourself that are talking to you to like ultimately be the wise, responsible one who's who can see that it's possible to want to create a sense of security and it's also possible to enjoy your life. And how can you make enjoying your life a really important part of your sense of security and make it a core value potentially? And how can you also create more more security for your place self to thrive within in ways that are not driven by fear or by rules or expectations about perfection, but are simply about caretaking the life you want to live and the life you want to lead and the things that you have now here in mid-2020 realized are your core values. So... 
there's a lot of fire in the playhouse, so to speak. So I definitely recommend um, potentially like lots of games, you know, like competitive sports, uh, um, maybe a running practice uh, where you like go do obstacle courses at a park because you've got to turn it into a competition of some kind in a world of social distancing. So it's like how to create games out of your physical release of energy. Definitely recommended. Definitely recommended to enjoy a, a partner if you have a partner sexually like uh, a really great healthy release of energy right now would be making love, frankly, for all of us, but definitely if it's in your fifth house and just kind of like let yourself go there, even if it's a different part of you than most people see. And, um, you know, dance, 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 dance constantly, I would say. Um, maybe learn some new, different, alternative ways of releasing energy that you hadn't before that maybe you've been hearing about. Go and um, follow up those leads and, and learn about new ways to put that energy out in the world to release what can feel like a lot of tension in the space of your financial security. Oh, I hope that that serves you well moving into the rest of the year. Hmm. Capricorn. Capricorn, Capricorn. Um, you're one of the cardinal signs. So Capricorn risings are also experiencing quite a lot of change right now. Um, the change the last few years like a lot of change about the direction of your life, who you think you are. Maybe even your appearance has changed quite a bit um, the last couple of years. And you have been really in a lot of work on healing your inner critic, working with potentially father stories, not necessarily actual father, but whoever person or whoever institutions kind of gave you a message that you weren't good enough and that you just needed to keep working harder and keep trying harder and keep getting better. And it, it may have felt growing up like a kind of relentlessly loud, hardcore voice in your ear. And you've been just getting a lot of messages the last couple of years that this is not sustainable. This is not sustainable self-care. This is not doing you any good. And you need to shake off the critic. And so whether it's been helpful to you or whether you've been ignoring it, but you know what I'm talking about, that has been the invitation. So the second half of 2020, you are still doing this. You're still in this work. It's so important to... Just let yourself be you, to drop the word should from your vocabulary, to stop thinking that there's something that you're supposed to become because you're already awesome right here and now, and we're all just waiting for you to see it. So this next six months will be bringing in 
potentially a lot of heat from the family life. Like your living situation presently may carry a feeling of frustration for you or your sense of buried potential, potentially buried anger or resentment stemming from a childhood home maybe showing up right now in ways that maybe you don't recognize they're from the past, but they're from the past. They're not actually, you're not actually angry about something in the present moment. It has to do with the past. And so you're now being calling into some really, really rich time to heal some, um, frustrations about who you are at a deep level um, that make you angry or frustrated and that potentially you take out on other people, potentially you take out on um, your home space, potentially your home space can make you feel restless and you don't know why. And a lot of that may have to do with some unprocessed stuff from childhood that is just very much wanting you to just integrate and heal. And together, these two aspects are going to liberate you from ways of being that was, that was constricting and potentially even self-sabotaging and at a minimum, like, not helping you. And... If energy's got to go somewhere, it's got to go somewhere. So my advice to you, Capricorn Rising, is to do some conscious work with your fire to release it um, in non-harmful ways, to be really present to when you feel frustrated, you know, like present to when you feel, especially like when you're just like at home, you know, and just like, what is this? What is this? What do I need to yell out? And I invite you into a, a practice of closing the doors to your room so nobody else is around and releasing your, your anger out loud, as loud as you can, punch pillows, let it all out and see what happens see what might come blowing out of your mouth, blowing out of your tear ducts that you had forgotten was there. And it will feel amazing. You know, something that I've learned and thought a lot about is that the release of the most wonderful orgasm, Marzul's orgasms, is really not all that different from the release of pent-up pain, rage, or frustration. And in both cases, people can be afraid of the release. Sometimes we're not afraid of one, but we're afraid of the other. And so I invite you into that analogy because both will be really helpful in the next six months as forms of energy release 
and um, the catharsis that releasing rage in a healthy way could be for you is just um, like exponentially like I can't even articulate how powerful it could be for you to change um, the direction of your life. Hmm, I know that was a lot. Feel free to reach out with me to me if you want to talk about it um, and want more there. Everything that I'm saying to everyone um, will cool down and change by December and into 2021. And the energy is going to shift. But we just kind of, this is a long time for people that are used to ordering on Amazon and getting the thing the next day. All right, Aquarius rising, Aquarius rising. So Aquarius, you carry a big role because a lot is moving your way. Um, two important planets, Saturn and Jupiter, are going to be moving into Aquarius in December. Saturn was just in Aquarius at the first couple degrees the last few months and is now July 1st going back into Capricorn to finish up. So if you have a Saturn in Capricorn, you are finishing your Saturn return. And if you are Saturn in Aquarius, you just got a sneak peek of what your Saturn return will look like. And then the next few years, you'll be in your Saturn return. Reach out to me if you don't know what I'm talking about because you do want to know what a Saturn return is. It depends on where you have your Saturn. So I'm talking to people who have Saturn in Cap or Saturn in Aquarius. <sighs> Aquarius. Aquarius rising thus. You may have just had a sneak peek sense of like... Um, Sorry, I was just, I just sort of lost my train of thought. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, you may have had a sneak peek to the fact that um, a lot is moving your direction. A lot of energy is moving your direction. And you, the last few months, you may have been sensing that your life may be changing a little bit. And your sense of your agency in those changes may have become a little bit revealed to you. And then starting in December, moving into 2021 and 2022, there's a lot of change that's coming your way, Aquarius rising people, that um, is going to shift the direction of your life as you understand your place in this life differently. And as you understand your identity and your um, role in the world differently, as you understand like what motivates you more clearly. So that's coming in. For now, the last couple of years may have been even kind of hard, um, like fairly seriously hard because a lot's been happening in Capricorn, which for you is in your 12th house. And when the planets that are there move through the 12th house, with some of them, it's just kind of a lot of endings, a lot of goodbyes, maybe a lot of death. Maybe you've been going through just a period of feeling almost like 
karma, that life, the universe is bringing you the cl- closure on things. And closure isn't, isn't very welcome a lot of the time, you know? So it may, you may have been moving through unwelcome closures. And um, I hope that it wasn't too hard for you. It's a, it's a pattern that happens, that everyone moves through having certain planets go through their 12th house. It also may have been very relieving, you know, it may have been lightening in its own ways because sometimes things close that we were not aware of the drain that they were on our lives. Sometimes things end and eventually you can come to be like, yeah, I see how I can do this because it's almost like I wasn't going to be the one that was willing to end this. So you may have been moving through some of that. Whatever it was, my guess is you've been trying to move through some deep healing the last couple of years. And that can, of course, feel like a lot. What's showing up for you, Aquarius rising, right now through the end of the year with Mars moving into Aries and you have Aries in your third house, which would make you someone who's could be a pretty like <clears throat> direct, um, sharp shooter, with people. Potentially, you may find you're someone that um, kind of like maybe uh, shoots out um, impulsive thoughts, you know, or like says things impulsively out of like a hot moment. And then you're like, oops, you know, like regretting what you said. But the goal with having Aries in this house, like ultimately is learning how to use your language and your words to support your leadership and to be brave, to be someone who says brave things, to be someone who inspires the people in your life with um, your ideas and how you communicate them. And certainly the next six months, you're going to be tested in um, working with that energy skillfully, right? So my advice would be to put your intentionality and your consciousness and your contemplation on daily practices of watching how you use your words and watching how you use language and communication, including text and including posts, <clears throat> to notice when you're being reactive and just like shooting things off in a moment of like, I had a hot temperature that moment. And when you're using words in a more like crafty way that is still brave and still very confident and inspires leadership and inspires courage in other people. So, um, This is a great opportunity right now to kind of like hone your words, hone your language from having kind of temperamental or um, cranky or frustrated heat energy and shifting it so that as things move into your first house next year, you've, you've already done like a lot of work around up leveling and evolving your, um, your leadership with language and your fire in language, how to work with the element of fire through air 
in ways that will be uh, uplifting, in ways that will be like, wow, that's, um, that's, that's, that's somebody that really got me thinking as how brave that they said that, you know? And so bring, you can bring your attention there as well. While, meanwhile, you're still in some, some potentially deep healing work for the next six months over things that you've been um, saying goodbye to and maybe past, like P-A-S-T-S, pasts that you've been letting go, maybe forgivenesses that you're still trying to let yourself make. And so please, I invite you to continue listening there. Hmm. And so now finally here at the end, I invite you to Pisces rising, the 12th sign. So Pisces has been going through a lot. Um, if you're Pisces rising, it's possible that your ascendant point has been already or is currently or will soon experience a Neptune transit. This is a Googleable thing, Neptune transit to ascendant. But it's a time when you can feel either really lost and disillusioned or really inspired spiritually um, to take like a different path. And you can also just feel like you don't know who you are anymore. And so it's definitely good to know when you're having a Neptune transit to any important points. This goes for people with Pisces suns and Pisces moons um, because things can get a little bit foggy. And if you know that you're being invited to work with altered states in skillful ways and not abandon yourself, it can be really rewarding. Um, so for Pisces rising, along with other people with, who have uh, planets and points in Pisces, this right now, we're looking at like the zone around like 18 to 21 Pisces. Um, didn't, didn't double check that, so but I think that's about what it will be. Um, if your ascendant point or any planets or points are around the, those degrees, these are also getting the Neptune transit. And the gift of that is really to have more access to your intuition, more access to spirit, more access, access to um, being able to perceive and heal your energy as well as the energies of other people. Meditation is highly, highly supported um, with those going through Neptunian things. A spiritual practice, daily practices to reconnect with spirit. I recommend for you Pisces rising. So the last couple of years, Pisces rising, you may have felt like a real call, wake-up call to shift around your networks and your friends and the organizations that you're a part of. A sense of like, as you are evolving 
you're noticing the friends that you have are not like maybe filling your cup up the same way that they used to. Maybe they even disappointed you and you've kind of maybe felt abandoned in some way. But you're coming to see that like the structures and the frameworks around which you set up your social networks according to your prior hopes and dreams are shifting as your own hopes and dreams are shifting. And so thus, you're, you're melting away what prior networking looked like and letting it become some other thing that feels a little more high-minded to you. Meanwhile, for the next six months, you have Mars moving through Aries, which is your second house. Okay, and so having Mars there is the a real like pointed sense of energy to um, know your values, to claim your values as yours, to claim your um, financial security per your changing values to be like aggressively um, setting up a sense of safety and abundance for yourself and potentially for your family if you live with other people in ways that are a reflection of what you are growing more and more to um, see as your deservingness and your worth. And so really like anything holding you back from full worthiness and um, trusting in your capacity to take care of your material sense of abundance, really melting those away and getting um, much more courageous and much more bold in like masculine energy around your values and security and your abundance. So um, Pisces rising might kind of naturally identify a little bit more with sort of yin feminine energy, but you have, you have Aries like thrust energy in the space of setting up financial security, setting up home security. And of course we all define what that is differently depending on our values. So if you have determined that something is a value to you, or that like some part of yourself has value, right? You might want to consider aggressively, assertively growing that value, right? Like um, taking a class to um, make that value more um, profitable for your uh, security, right? Like being much more uh, confident and having much more bravado around knowing your worth, right? And what tactics, what strategies do you need to apply? Could you apply to <clears throat> your sense of well-being right now that um, can support you through the other good work that you do? 
what you want to watch for is being like really impulsive about finances. Watch for being fixated um, about it. Watch for being like super bossy and burning bridges with people if you think that they're standing in the way of your path towards um, towards your abundance. And so really watching that energy, just like I'm suggesting with everyone, it all comes down to, again to this idea of the energy has got to go somewhere. Where would you like that energy to go? Listening to yourself, being in close touch with yourself, holding yourself through hot feelings, uh, impulsive qualities, um, anger, rage, aggressiveness, moments that because we're talking about an energy that gets hot fast and also cools fast, bringing like waiting to act until things have cooled down and the temperature has shifted again. And as Pisces rising, you should be very attuned. You can be very attuned to temperature and like inviting yourself into attunement with your internal temperature to watch, um, watch the temperature with which you tend to want to go for this or for that. So wishing you the very best with that Pisces rising. Thank you if you're still listening to all of the horoscopes. I hope that you um, found some support with them. I want to share here at the very end that the tarot cards that I pulled for all of us uh, for the next six months from the present moment because I think that they reflect everything that I was hoping to get across to you already. So as the tarot does, it kind of, it just showed up for me in a beautiful way and showed up for us in a beautiful way. So I asked the tarot, what is the invitation for the next six months with Mars into Aries, second half of 2020? rooted in the present moment. And I got Wheel of Fortune, <laughs> which has been coming up for me lately. Um, and just to speak at a high level for listeners who don't work with the tarot, how we work, how, what, the, what the, is the invitation? It's like to go, to go with the flow, to like go with, rises and falls of perceived fortune, be with ourselves at the center of the wheel as things shift, as things move, holding a nice still grounded center, trusting that things are changing. Things are just changing and we can't really know what's coming in. We can only know ourselves. The clarifying card to this that came forward, contributing or something else that we need to know about, was Five of Pentacles, which is a card that speaks to feeling really in scarcity and afraid, feeling um, unsure how things are going to work out, feeling unsupported, feeling left out, 
feeling like we don't know how we're going to get back to the warm hearth again and holding ourselves through discomfort <clears throat> in a sense of like cold and dry which are words I previously uh, associated with Capricorn and with Saturn. And the way we work with Five of Pentacles is to trust that it's a phase and that it will pass. We all have Five of Pentacles moments and then they pass and we're in another kind of moment. And so just like Will of Fortune, both of those cards are really about how to hold yourself through uncomfortable phases, how to hold yourself through, well, now I'm in this and then I'm going to be in something else. And we just have to caretake being in this until something else arrives of which we don't really have control. The, um, the advice, the support, like the means of helping us through this was the, is the high priestess. Meaning that we are go within. We, we touch base with ourselves. We talk to ourselves. We listen to ourselves. We're communing with the self. We're contemplating with the self. We're asking questions of the self. It's a card that in this context is very much about like, you're rooted. You're okay. You have the information you need. You don't need to to be in a frenzy of looking for the information outside of you. Root in, cave in, be with yourself, come back home. You have the wisdom that you need when you're, when you're willing to get still enough to listen. So that's some really beautiful medicine for support. And then what came through as the gifts of moving through these other cards is Eight of Pentacles, and in the case of the eight, this has to do to me with like really coming into a better relationship with the work that we're doing in the world. Coming into kind of flow state with our purpose of coming into work that doesn't feel like work. It just feels like an expression of ourselves. And thus creating abundance for ourselves because when work and play are very similar we're leading a contented life and so to me this suggests that um, learning to work with change and to melt away um, rigid like clinging to um, previous or like desired outcomes um, learning how to melt away scarcity fear and anxiety or FOMO. Learning how to work with that by listening, to getting better and better at hearing ourselves and listening to ourselves with our intuition, we, we eventually create a sustainable life. We create structures for our sense of having that come from being more connected with ourselves and what we're here to be doing. So love that and wanted to share it. Um, thank you for listening. I'm wishing you all the best as you move through the next six months. 
If you got a lot from this podcast, I hope that you will write a review or leave me a rating because it's just really wonderful when people um, exchange with each other. And uh, I hope you will join my newsletter so you can keep abreast of things that I'm offering, other things that I'm doing as I intuit and listen to and contemplate what my own role is in this time and what will be most needed to help support other people, um, how I can use my own gifts to, to give back and serve. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Take care.